friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. everyone and welcome back for another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. I am really excited to dive into this episode today. With me, I have Michelle Palacios and we are going to have a really interesting conversation that I can't wait to get into. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Lauren. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. Before we get started, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and your story, where you got started and what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So I'm Michelle. I have a an Etsy shop actually called The Graceful Goose. And forever ago, I found myself working for retail corporations. So I've been like a retail professional for over a decade, which is kind of crazy. It makes me feel a little bit old. But I at some point, I just realized as much as I liked corporate retail, not having any creative control, not being able to kind of make my own decisions was really hard. And I had a young baby at home. I had the busy job. I had a husband who was working long hours, just feeling kind of strung out. And like I didn't have a lot of control over my life. And I had been crafty forever. My sisters and I sold bracelets on like the corner of our street at one time. Like we just, (laughs) we were always, yeah, always up to something creative and crafty. So I was like, you know what? I can make something. Like I can figure this out. And I opened an Etsy shop. And my first attempt was... The idea was a good one. The execution, I'm not a seamstress, and it was stuffed Christmas trees. (laughs) So I set myself up for failure a little bit, but I wasn't willing to give up. So it took a couple iterations, but I eventually landed on a profitable concept and something that I've been really excited to grow over the last couple of years. So the Graceful Goose, I sell nursery decor and baby blankets like you. And it has been really such a joy and just kind of a really incredible learning experience. I mean, even though I was working in retail before I opened that shop, I got into Etsy and just kind of realized there was so much I didn't know or so much of the like corporate knowledge that I applying to a small business was just a whole nother animal. So it's been, it was a really fun, it's been a really fun and interesting ride. And now I am teaching people how to build their own business and specifically focusing on product pricing because I mean, as you know, there are a lot of groups that pop up trying to help Etsy sellers and product sellers in general figure out how to build a business, how to market their products. And while I was in some of those groups learning about Instagram and Facebook and all the all things marketing, I noticed a lot of people asking questions around pricing. And for me, that was just something that came naturally because I'd been doing it a lot in my corporate jobs. So I, I just I knew how to do the math. I knew how to look at my market and understand the different neighborhoods and kind of figuring out who my customer was going to be and what they might be willing to pay. So I noticed just kind of a big gap in the education there and a big gap in support and um, wanted to find a way to help fill some of those knowledge pieces and, and help people figure out how to set prices that allow them to actually really build a business and not something that's going to turn into an expensive hobby or a total time suck. Yeah, I am with you on that. So talk to me. This is what we're going to dive into today is the pricing. And I'm really excited to have this conversation because this is a question that I get asked a lot. And it's something that a lot of people really, really struggle with. And I think that it, it goes back to the fact that so many of us come from a like a crafting background or like sort of a this creative background and not necessarily 
the business part of it, you know, so then like kind of struggle to see what all is wrapped up in, you know, your costs and developing a product that actually can have a solid profit margin. So you're able to, you know, make real actual money from it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know it it seems like it feels like such a mystery and the math can feel like it's going to be overwhelming. So it almost... Sometimes I get the sense people are like afraid to even start. I've had I had a student. Uh, I have a pricing course, and I have a student in there who was talking about her costs, and she was asking me. She's like, "Well, like I kind of I make these candles and I throw things in a pot, and I'm not really sure how much I use." It's like, "Well, I'm sure you have a recipe. Like, there's got to be there's probably some method to your madness, but you're just not thinking about it in that way. Can you use that recipe to figure out how much your product actually costs you?" So it's a lot of it is just like a like a lack of knowledge, honestly, like, yeah, like you said, there's just not people don't come in with that background. And they sort of take for granted the skills they've learned and perfected over time and assume they don't have any value to them. Yeah. So what is a a difference that you see, or I guess, kind of a starting point for an Etsy seller who is really focused on the Etsy market and how they're pricing their products? Like, where should they start? Yeah, no, yeah, that's a great question. I think it all it all comes back to like what's your one big idea? So when you're building your shop, like what problem are you trying to solve? Who are you trying to solve it for? And then really understanding who that person is. Are they like a luxury gift buyer? Because I think we tend to assume that the people shopping on Etsy are just like us, that they're all crafters and they all know how to make things and they're all really into DIY. And there are so many people, probably the majority of the people who come to Etsy are people who want something different and unique, something that's handmade, something they're going to feel really good about giving to somebody else. And if they could make it themselves, they probably would, right? So we just tend to assume that the audience looks like us. We've got to take a step back and say, who is this person that I'm selling this to? Is it a person who's into DIY? Am I giving crafting kits they can make with their kits, right? That's a different kind of customer than someone who wants like a totally done for you beautiful centerpiece for their Thanksgiving table. That person's probably more of a luxury shopper or really into like nicer, higher end decor. And what they're going to be willing to pay for something is different than somebody who wants to build their own DIY centerpiece. And they just need like you to do the thinking for them and give them the materials and the creative process. So it all starts with who we're trying to sell to, what that person's looking for. And then we can start to think about, okay, does that mean... Is my customer likely a higher end customer? Should I be looking to price my product on the higher end? Because that's what's going to appeal to the person that this product is really meant for. Or the opposite. Is this a DIY buyer and they want things to be as cheap as humanly possible? And that also means that the quality of the materials that I'm going to provide are probably going to be on the lower end, but I'm going to give them all the pieces. So I'm taking out all the thought process for them and just giving them the tools to make this happen. So for me, I think so often we let our pricing be an afterthought and really it needs to be like a key piece of the puzzle when you're thinking about what you're making and who, who that person is that you're making this for, going to provide this for. Yeah. As you're talking through that, the thing that, that like popped into my mind was like the meal kits, fresh or blue apron or whatever. And you're like, literally just selling stuff that you could buy at the grocery store yes. <laughs> that's marked up yes and like there is still a market for that even though you could go down to your neighborhood grocery store and get all of those products for like way cheaper than you're paying for these boxes 
but there is a specific market, which is like somebody that doesn't want a meal plan, somebody that doesn't have the time, they need it, just the convenience of it. Exactly. Somebody who values that convenience is going to pay for someone to do the thinking, the chopping, the measuring. (laughs) So all they have to do is follow the directions, right? Because when you think of like a mom who's got 700 tasks during the day or like a busy professional who has an hour at home, they probably don't want to be spending their time in the grocery store. That's not where they want to be, right? So if you can take that task off their plate and still get them a delicious dinner, they're totally down. I mean, a lot of the things that are selling really well on Etsy right now, um, and what a lot of my students are pivoting to is like these crafting kits where they don't necessarily send a finished craft, but they give you all the pieces so you can make it yourself. But not everyone has kind of that creativity or the vision for what something could be. So they need somebody to show them the finished product and talk them through how to get there and then they can make it, but they need that visionary. And I think that's right. a lot of what, of what Etsy makers, that's, that's a skill set that they just have naturally. Yeah. And I also want to point out that even people who are crafty, a lot of times are not skilled in every single craft. Yeah. You know, so like if you tried to sell me a monogrammed blanket, I'd be like, nah, I could probably do that. Yes. But if you want to sell me something that is like anything other than a monogrammed blanket, <laughs> I'm not I'm, a hanger. <laughs> yeah. Like I am not actually a very crafty person. Like I just have this one specific skill set. So, like, just because, you know, even if you are kind of stuck in the mindset of thinking that Etsy sellers or Etsy buyers are, also kind of like DIY, you know, scrappy people that are going to do it themselves, which I don't necessarily think is true to begin with. But even if you are stuck in that mindset, they don't have every single skill set under the sun. Like nobody's good at everything. So yeah, it's a great point. There's no way for us to all know everything. Like there are just too many different types of want to say skills, but like types of craft. I, I, like I just said earlier, when I started my first shop, I tried to sew. I know how to basically sew, but I'm not, not an accomplished seamstress. So when I sat down to really do it, I was like, Ooh, yes, I can throw a stitch. No, I don't really want to worry about tucking these corners in perfectly. Like this is a lot harder than I realized it is. And we just, we take for granted that we have fine-tuned and perfected a skill over time that someone might be able to like dip their toe in the water, but that doesn't mean that they, that the level of their skill is anywhere near ours. (laughs) Right. And I think that that's something that's overlooked by people a lot of times is, is that experience that you bring to what you're creating. And that even if you have somebody, whoever has this home sewing machine that she can whip out and will try to make the same thing, it's not the same as somebody that's making this day in, day out. You know, like I've, right. I've made over 18,000 monogrammed baby blankets. Like I know how to make a monogrammed yeah. baby blanket. Somebody that's just like got their, you know, a little sewing machine that's going to slap a monogram on something. It's not the same quality. So part of what people are paying for is the machinery that you're using that's better than, you know, just a hobbyist and the experience and the, and the skill set that you have. Yeah. And your ability to look at the design and know, like, because I do some personalized blankets too, like this name has this many letters. If I do it in my normal font size, it's going to look crazy, but I'm going to condense it. This is going to look beautiful. Like having the design eye to be able to make those changes and produce like a consistently beautiful result every time. And that's just not a skill that everybody has. So yeah, I, we Etsy sellers in particular, it's, it's Etsy sellers really... 
it seems to be a lot more intense where there's just this, this idea. Yeah. I think because a lot of them grew up crafty, like you said, and to some extent, I bet if we looked back in our background, there's a lot of like scarcity mindset that happened as we were children. And there's a reason why we were crafting all the time and creating all these things. And we kind of get stuck in this idea that, you know, everybody should be making things themselves or can make things themselves. And how, who am I to say <laughs> that I have this ability and I should set a price that allows me to make a living from something that for me feels so natural? Yeah. I think too, that some of it comes from, you know, when you have this skill that you're doing as a hobby and then you're like giving things away to your family and to your friends mm-hmm. and whatever. I, I've actually had students in my program who will just straight up say that, their family will tell them like, nobody's ever going to pay for this or nobody's going to pay that amount. That's crazy. Why would anybody pay for that much? Which thankfully I never had that because I don't know if I would have had the confidence when I was first starting out to be like, screw you. Yes, they will. Yeah. (laughs) Because that would be really hard if the people around you were saying that. But I think that that is one of the beauties of selling on the internet versus like selling in person is that you know, like we were talking about before, that person maybe is not your target customer. They're not in the place mm-hmm. that you want to sell to, but that doesn't mean that nobody is in that place. Yeah. And I think the thing we, we don't realize too, and you know, I'm lucky most of my family has been very supportive. I have an aunt who sounds very much like those family members <laughs> and she would never say it to my face, but she'll say it to people around me. But what I have come to realize is her her thoughts around pricing, her thoughts around what people charge have absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the product or who the person is who's selling it or what it is. She has created constructs in her mind around what is okay for someone to ask like as a, as a price. And that has absolutely nothing to do with me or my business or really anyone else's business. It's her own stuck mindset. And I suspect it's the same with your students, family, and friends. And it is it is hard to be around that. I think when you're in that situation, the best thing to do is to strive not to ask <laughs> or not to mention the price because you just you know they're not they're not gonna give you the answer that you need. They're not gonna be there to be a good like sounding board and give objective advice and thoughts. And then yeah, no, you're totally right. It goes back to there's more than one kind of buyer in the marketplace. There are people who spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on cars. That person might think that $20 is too expensive for a meal kit, (laughs) but they're willing to spend $100,000 on a car. We all have different things we value and different things that we're willing to spend money on. So, okay, this is where I was going with this. When I started selling my baby blankets, gosh, I was crazy. I was eight months pregnant with my second. I don't know why I thought launching a line at that moment in time was a good idea, but it worked out fine. So I got the samples for the baby blankets in and I had done the math. I had looked at my market. I was planning to charge, uh, I think, $44 at the time. And I brought a sample over to a girlfriend's house. She just had a baby. I was really excited about it. They were excited about it. And I asked dumb me, and I know better. I asked how much they'd be willing to pay. And the answer was, oh, uh, maybe $30. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, that's like barely going to cut it. So I knew there was no way I could charge $30. If I didn't have any, like any understanding of how to set a price, if I hadn't done any research about the market, if I didn't know what kind of customer I was going to talk to, I might have dropped my price and then I'd be in a position where I wasn't making any money and I probably would have dropped that product line. But instead, I still launched at the $44 price point. 
It's actually, I raised it. It's $48 now. That blanket was a bestseller on Etsy within like three weeks of launching. So it, it just, we can limit ourselves so much by thinking that there's only a specific person out there who's shopping. And we just forget that there's different people value different things. And as long as we have a product that we feel confident about, and we know the person we're talking to, and we've set a price that supports that whole picture and talks to that specific customer, there's a huge range of prices that we can charge. There are baby blankets that sell for $100 that aren't personalized, and they have no problem selling them. So there are a variety of pricing neighborhoods, and it's just about finding the right one for you. Hey everyone, I want to take a quick second just to invite you to my free Facebook group, Etsy Roadmap by Lauren Keplinger. This Facebook group is the best, most supportive Etsy community on all of the internet, and I am so thankful for the members. If you would like to join, head over to laurenkeplinger.com forward slash Facebook, and that will redirect to that group. I hope I'll see you there. Yeah. So what are some things that like, if you're kind of trying to have a pricing formula for your products, what are some things that you recommend that people think about as they're moving forward to price their products? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you know this, Lauren, there are three, really three pieces to setting a price. You need to know your costs. You need to know how much money you need to pay yourself for your labor, right? How much time are you spending to make this? Do you have team members you need to pay? And then you need to build a profit margin on top of that. And that profit margin is where people get real stuck. They're like, okay, I can set an hourly rate for myself and I can kind of get my mind around adding some of that to the cost of my product. But that profit gets really hard because then it feels like you're you're just asking for more. But what we need to be thinking about is that extra profit that we're layering on top, that's the money to allow you to grow. That's money to allow you to test new materials, test new packaging, potentially expand into new markets and have the money to be able to self-support that. Like you need to be able to build up a little bit of a cushion so you can be your own bank and make wise investments into your business. And without that profit margin, you've got no room to go, right? You're always ending up at zero because you're paying the cost of the product, you're, you're paying yourself, and there's nothing left over for any sort of experimentation or hiring someone to help you with some of the like customer service stuff. So you want to make sure you've got all three pieces. Okay, I do want to interrupt you just really quick just so that I could hammer that home for people that the amount that you are paying yourself is separate from this profit cushion. Yes. Because a lot of times what I hear from people or what I see in what people are doing is that either they're not paying themselves and they're like, quote, reinvesting into their business. So they're just taking that and rolling it back into the business or they're paying that this is what I did when I got started was that I was just paying I was only paying myself and I was not setting aside any money as the profit on top of it and so then there was never any left over because right. I was basically just taking all the money out of the account whatever was left so I do want to just really drive that point home for people that these are like three separate buckets and what you pay yourself is separate from what the profits are in the business. And if you think about like a larger corporation, you know, the profits that a big business is making is separate from the salaries, even of the people at the top. Like those are separate things. Yep. There's always got to be a bucket there. And that bucket, like I was saying, it just allows you to grow. It allows you to think creatively. And if you're someone who's saying like, 
I don't need any extra money. I, I feel weird having an extra bucket of money. That's money you could donate. That's money that you could create a scholarship fund with. Like there's so many different things you could do with that profit margin, but you've you've got to have that cushion for yourself to be able to weather. Like we had a weird year this year for people who didn't have any cushion and had a bad month in March or April when things were kind of funky. There was no room left, right, to make up that pay gap. So that profit margin is so important to be able to kind of weather the ups and downs of retail. There's no such thing as just like a static flat. Every month is going to be the same sales. Like that's very, very rare. So you've got to be able to have that cushion to kind of weather the ups and downs as you go. So when people are first getting started, because I guess I have kind of gotten here to this point, like after a lot of years of fumbling around, and I've talked about it extensively on this podcast that I spent like years and years with my finances just being all over the place. (laughs) I mean, I was probably solidly five years into my business before I really got a handle on it. And it's been completely transformative to both my business and the growth of the business, but also like the amount of money that I was able to pull out of the business. Mm -hmm. So if you are talking to somebody that's earlier in that stage to maybe fast track that so that they're not spending five years busting their hiney and not making any money, where do you start with it? One simple thing. So one, you want to make sure that you're using a good formula for your price. You want to make sure you have those three buckets covered. And like I was talking about earlier with my student who makes candles, when you're looking at your costs, we want to get really nitty gritty. And I know that doesn't sound fun, but the more intentional you are about understanding exactly what you're spending to make your product, the better the decisions you can make going forward. So you might realize you're spending a lot more on fragrance in your fragrance candles than you thought you were. Or maybe you're spending less and you have room to upgrade some of the scents. But you've got to know exactly what you're spending and what you're using. So you've got to figure out the recipe for your product, even if it's kind of a a really good best guess, right? We don't want to be willy-nilly, but you you can make some estimations and a best guess so that you can get a good cost down. So that's a big piece of it. And then the other thing I would recommend too is grab into its self-employed a little accounting pack. I think it's $5 a month, but you can hook your Etsy up to it and hook your bank account up to it so that you can see exactly how much is coming into your business and exactly how much is going out. Because I... I, mean, I don't know about you, Lauren. I've tried a couple of different banks with checking and say like, and I just hate the way they're laid out. It does not make it really easy for me to tell how much I'm spending and how much I'm making every month. I feel like I'm having to do 700 calculations to get there. So QuickBooks for me has been the easiest way to be able to say, okay, this is what I'm spending. This is how much my materials are costing. You can sort it by your different vendors, make it really fast and painless, and just get a feel for what's happening today. And then start to make a plan for what to do next. So if you're seeing that you're spending the same amount as you're making, right? Step one is to figure out where that money is going. Is it all going to the cost of your product? Okay, we got a problem. Is it all going to your paycheck and the cost and there's nothing left over? Okay, we're missing our profit. Are you spending more than you're making, right? Are we spending money on advertising and we're not bringing money back into the business to be able to replenish that? So That's where I would start, like just get a good picture of the health of your business. And then from there, you can make decisions around what needs to adjust to get you back to a place where you're making money and building that cushion, that profit cushion. Yeah, I think that that is so key. And I think that it's something that people are kind of afraid to Mm -hmm. get into or they're like overwhelmed, I guess, really more 
to really break it down. But without that knowledge, you're just flying blind. You know, you, you could really potentially be working and working and working and not making yeah. any money or even losing money. Yep. And just getting stuck. And then, I mean, that just doesn't feel good, right? Building a business already takes time. It already takes a lot of work and energy. You want to be rewarded for that. We deserve to get, to be able to take home a consistent paycheck and to feel good about what we're doing, to feel proud of the product we're putting into the world and proud of the money we're able to bring in to support our families. And without that back piece, man, running a business gets just really hard and really stressful. Yeah. Well, and it's really depressing at the end of the year to do your taxes yeah. and realize yeah. that you didn't make any money. <laughs> yeah, so that was a lot of time spent for not a lot of reward. Right. <laughs> Hopefully a bunch of great customer reviews. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any wisdom about the timeline of people being able to, I guess, I, I have a lot of people that come and say like, well, I'm only six months into my business and I'm not profitable yet, or I'm a year into my business and I'm not paying myself yet. Are you somebody that says you should pay yourself right from the get-go? Or do you say, you know, it may take a year for you to be profitable or whatever? No, I lean more towards you should strive to pay yourself right from the get-go. And it depends too on the kind of business you're building, right? Right now, I think we're mostly talking to Etsy sellers. So if you're on Etsy and Etsy's doing most of the traffic driving for you, then the costs in your business are really coming from the product itself, like the materials and the time that you're spending. So if that's the case, you really should be setting aside money to pay yourself right from the beginning. This myth that we can't make money in a business in the beginning, that it can't be profitable, that we're not allowed to pay ourselves. That comes from these businesses that are going out there full force, getting huge loans, trying to like break out into a giant marketplace. They don't have Etsy to drive traffic. So they're using Facebook ads and other paid media. They're paying influencers, right? They've got a lot of marketing and gosh, no, I can't think of the word, but marketing and advertising costs that they are spending to start to build their business. And they may also be investing in team members that they wouldn't be able to pay if they didn't have these loans. That's If you're building an Etsy business, I'm going to guess <laughs> 99% of us are not in that boat. So our goal should be to be profitable right from day one, if we can, as close as possible. There's, there's really no reason we can't be unless you're investing in something on the side some sort of marketing or something. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's something that is kind of tossed around because it's like sort of one of those old business adages or whatever that like, you know, you can't be profitable your first year in business. And what I did when I started my first year in business was that I bought this seven or $8,000 embroidery machine and I charged it to a credit card, which, you know, I, I, there's varying opinions about that and taking on that debt. And I don't know that I would necessarily recommend that to people, but I knew that I could pay it off and I knew it wasn't going to stress me out so much. So I set aside money every month that I put towards that credit card to pay off that machine, but then also still paid myself. Like I wasn't not paying myself in the six months that it took me to pay off the machine or whatever. Yep. Yep. Because it's still like you made an investment in your business. And it's one thing if someone, like I said, is trying to, they have a really intentional marketing plan and they're spending a lot of money on marketing and advertising to get their name out there. And they have a clear, they've like laid out a clear plan for how they're going to get enough eyeballs and enough sales to get themselves back to profitable. Or they're making a really intentional investment in a better embroidery machine. Or I've thought about buying like a giant sublimation machine. And those are $10,000. So I'd have to probably take out a loan to be able to do that. 
if you're doing that kind of stuff and you're making really thoughtful investments into your business right in the beginning, okay, then I can understand why you wouldn't be profitable right away. But if that's not you, then we really should be striving for profitability right from the beginning. I would say the only other reason that would be semi-normal is if you're test driving a couple of different products and the first couple don't go well, you might end up with extra inventory and you might not have a profitable couple of first months. And that's okay. That's just part of the learning process, right? You're trying something new. It didn't work the way that you expected it to. And now you're trying something else. But short of something like that, where you're very intentionally trying something or making an investment in your business, we should be paying ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have a good grasp of your numbers, then you very well could spend a lot of years having those inventory ish, you know, this excess inventory that doesn't sell well and <laughs> bad investments into your business. Yes. Yep. And never getting out from underneath it. Yeah. So if somebody is listening to this and they're like, oh, darn, I don't think that I am charging enough to be able to cover all of these buckets and have this money that's really going to bring in a profitable business. What do they do? Where where do they go from there? That's a great question. And so we're recording this right now. It's November. This is honestly the perfect time to be making that realization. I would rather you realize it any time in the year, but if you're going to have it, now's the moment. Because so many businesses at the end of this year are going to do what I call a price change party. And they're going to decide it's time to raise their prices. And you are not going to be alone if you are part of this. I bet you're going to start to see the emails and you're going to notice it. Because people's costs have changed over the course of the year. They're realizing they need to pay more employees. They're going to raise those prices in January. And at the end of this year, throw a sale. And you're going to let... It's going to be... We're going to call it a sale. You're not actually going to drop your prices. You're just going to let your customers know this is your last chance to get the product at this price. And on January 1st or whatever the day is that price is going up to X dollars and you're going to make it something fun and exciting. You could talk about your business growing and investing in all sorts of exciting things for the coming year, however you want to phrase it, but you're going to make it something really exciting and give your customers kind of like a last hurrah with the current price points that they feel like they're getting a great deal and being rewarded when you are set up to successfully raise those prices in January. And if you're not sure, if you're if you were listening and you're like, shoot, someone told me what to charge. <laughs> I asked my aunt and she said, do $50 and I did that. Or I went in a Facebook group and I posted my ornament and I said, what would you pay? And people said $12. So I picked that number. I have a free product pricing roadmap. I can give you the, the link, uh, Lauren, to add later that people can grab to help walk through the different steps of thinking through how to set a profitable price. So you can start to get all of those like basic numbers in order and make sure that you are covering your costs, paying yourself and building in a nice healthy profit in there too. Awesome. And I will add that to the show notes for the episode. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today and having this conversation. I think that this is such an important topic, you know, of all the of all the pieces of building a business and all the things that we have to master and the balls that we have to juggle, pricing is something that people really get stuck on and and honestly, quite frankly, really undersell themselves a lot. Yes. And I think it goes back to a lot of things that we talked about, but it's something that I I hate to see because, you know, every time somebody comes to me and says like, I just don't think that this is going to work. I just can't make any money. I'm like, ah, yes, you can. (laughs) Yes, there's a solution. There's a solution. Yeah. So I think this is a really important conversation to have. And I'm really thankful that you were here today. 
Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I it really, like you said, it, it um, hurts my heart every time I see someone struggling with how to set a price. Uh, it really doesn't have to be so complicated or overwhelming. And people definitely aren't alone. Like it's just a skill set that's not taught in school. So um, I'm excited to talk about it and, and share the knowledge so we can all start to build better businesses. Absolutely. So if people want to find you online, where can they check you out? Yeah. So you can catch me on my website, mnkcollective.com or I'm on Instagram. You can find me at mnkcollective over there. All right. Thank you again for coming today. And I hope that people will check you out and I will get that link added to the show notes for the pricing guide. Sounds great. Thanks, Lauren. I will see you next week back here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now.